Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a Q&A episode and I will be taking three questions from Instagram and answering them in about 10 to 15 minutes or so. But before I dive into that, uh, here's just a few ways you can help support the podcast. First, if you uh, listen and um, you want to share it, that would be helpful. You can share it on social media. Also, if you could leave a rating and review that again, will help more people get access to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore. Uh, That's where I post most of my content and where I'm most active on. And then lastly, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. I help people build muscle, lose body fat, and just look good in in your swimsuit. And along the way, you're going to figure out you know strategies and whatnot that works best for you. And you'll learn more about your body along the way as well, which in turn will help you in the future. And you'll get that education as well to be able to go and do it on your own especially with all the conflicting information that is out there. So if that is you, the link for that is in my in the show notes. And I also have the one-on-one coaching page where I show client results uh, if you want to see what some of those look like as well too. And also before I dive in, I don't know if you can hear, but a little under the weather, don't feel sick, just a little head cold, no stuffy, things like that. I bring this up because... I want to apologize ahead of time if you hear me sniffle a good amount. I'm really going to try to limit it, but I feel like once you're doing, once you start sniffling, it just is kind of becomes habit while you're doing it. And I also bring this up because my uncle, I'm not sure if he still listens to the podcast or not, but one of his tips was he told me how one time he was listening. And I guess I, this was last year sometime when I got another cold and I just was sniffling the whole time. And so he called me out on it. So I just wanted to be, I wanted to be upfront on this and just uh, be ahead of it before somebody else told me. So again, I apologize ahead of time if that's the case, but I am going to try and limit that as much as possible. So let's dive into the question. So first question is, I generally program supersets to my clients, wondering your opinions on supersets. And obviously I think it is important to like clarify what the goal is here. Sorry, I already did it once. But basically what we want to do there is you know, figure out what the goal is. If you're just trying to look better, you know, build some muscle, I think they can be totally fine. So if that's kind of your goal, then I think supersets can be great. Now, if you have some other sort of goal, whether that be like max strength or something like that, probably not going to be the greatest uh, for that. But if you're just trying to look better, I think they can be great, especially when time is a constraint. I do like to have like for more compound lifts, I would prefer to just like your main lifts for the day. I would, whether that be a barbell or like, again, any, any other compound movement, your main movement for the day, I would like to not have those be supersets if, if we can, and then kind of save the supersets for later in the workouts for like smaller, smaller exercises, things like that. Maybe, maybe muscle groups that you aren't as concerned with. But again, I think they can be great, especially in a, in a time constraint. So there's a couple different ways you can go about doing supersets. And I'll tell you which ones I 
kind of when I would use them and, and whatnot. So the first would be opposite muscle group supersets. And this is, again, when a client is really strapped for time and this is like, hey, they really have to get volume in, in a short amount of time, I'll do opposite muscle group supersets. So like this would be like a chest exercise with a back, back exercise. You know, you're using two different, you know, you're using your chest, which is on the front side of your body. It does a different, um, it requires a different movement. And then you have, while that's, you, you go and do a set and while that's resting, you do the back, um, you, you do your back. So that would be like a bench press with like a row or something like that. Or you could do like a bicep with a tricep, or you could even do like a leg with the upper body as well. Those are, those are options. I'm not as huge of a fan on those. I, again, I will only really use those if, if a client needs to get volume in on a certain body part that, and they're just really strapped for time. Uh, so these are these are people that can only train like three days a week. Maybe they can train for four days a week, but it has to be really quick. Uh, they they just don't have a lot of time that they can dedicate to working out. I don't think this is going to be the greatest for building muscle. So again, if you have the time, I wouldn't do these, but they can be uh, effective um, at the end of the day, right? You're, if somebody is constrained for time, you know they're obviously not trying to be a, a bodybuilder, so you don't necessarily have to maximize muscle growth. But if you can, I would try to stick with just like straight sets there. Now, in certain phases, I'll use the same muscle group supersets to get extra volume in in a short amount of time. So it doesn't necessarily have to be certain phases, but I will in certain phases when I, you know, when we're really trying to increase volume rather than just like, you know, adding in another straight set of like biceps, you know, we might do uh, a superset of biceps where you do like a dumbbell bicep curl or dumbbell spider curl followed by like a dumbbell inclined bicep curl or face away cable curl, something where it's like you're in a short position, then you're in the lengthened position and just kind of superset those where you do one set of the spider curls, go straight into the inclined curls, rest for a certain amount of time and then, and then come back, uh, you know, rinse and repeat that. But again, this can be a great way to add in training volume on a certain muscle group when you just need to, to get more in and you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to that. Right. Cause again, you could see where you would add a lot of time if you did irregular, you know, rest in between and whatnot. So you really can cut that in half if you uh, do that. Maybe not in half, but you can definitely cut it down for sure. Again, with these, I wouldn't do them on like complex movements or bigger movements. Like I wouldn't do like a back squat to like a leg press. You know, it would be something where, again, it would be like bicep curls, um, tricep stuff, lateral raises, uh, you know, exercises like that, that aren't going to require a lot of stability and stuff like that. Because then again, if you do like a back squat to like, a another, like, again, the leg press, it's like, you're going to, your cardiovascular system is really going to get stressed there on that. So again, you might want to keep this to exercises that aren't going to like really stress the cardiovascular system. Now I'm not saying you can't do like a maybe a leg press to a lunge or something like that, or a leg extension to a lunge or something like that. But anything that's complex, I would really try to be careful with supersetting that. So again, they can be great, especially when time is a constraint. And maybe you're trying to go for a specific adaptation, like I said, where we're trying to maybe get more, either trying to add in more volume in a short amount of time and, or uh, we're trying to go for like, you know, more of a metabolite burn um, in that case of like doing these, these back-to-back supersets. Uh, with the same muscle group. So hopefully that was helpful there. Uh, if you guys have any questions on that, obviously let me know. But supersets, I, again, would stick to mostly straight sets, but in periods of time and if time is a constraint, add in some supersets. So the other day, I guess I posted my weight and 
somebody asked, I saw you said your hunger is low during building. Why? And what, what to do about that if that happens? So hunger can go down when you are in. So in a building phase, I always say you don't necessarily have to be in a surplus. In most cases you would be, but there are situations where a building phase can be at your maintenance. You're just trying to add some muscle. In my situation, I am in a calorie surplus because I'm trying to gain weight. I need at this point to be in a surplus to add more muscle to my frame. And so when you're in that surplus, hunger can go down when you uh, are in that sur- surplus, right? I kind of went over this in the last uh, Q&A, but it can go down uh, when you're in surplus for a while or when you get to a certain body weight. It's basically the opposite of what happens when you lose weight. So when you lose weight, you're in a calorie deficit, your body will start to ramp up hunger and it will lower like energy expenditure, things like that. When you're in a surplus your body will do the opposite. Hunger will go down and it will ramp up energy expenditure. And so like what was once a surplus may not be a surplus anymore. And it just gets tougher to get to that surplus as well. Right. And this is your body fighting against weight gain or weight loss in the other, in the other way. Now, what I will say on this is the body is not in most people, the body is not as good at defending weight gain as it is defending weight loss. It's much tougher to, for the body to, uh, the body doesn't want to lose as much weight as it does as it wants to gain. So it, it's going to be tougher to, you won't see it. In most situations, you won't see it, your hunger go down as much when you're trying to gain weight. Now, and some people, again, they'll see, they'll see more of this response than others. So some people, their hunger will really go down the gutter, whereas other people, they really won't notice a difference. So it's, so it is very independent or very uh, individual to the, to the person. So, that's what happens when you try to gain weight. And again, this can be from, you know, too large of a surplus trying to gain weight too quickly, or it could just be how long you've been in a surplus. Like if you've just consistently been eating in a surplus for months on end, you know, hunger is going to go down, but both of those things are going to play a role and how much weight you gain as a whole. So it's like those three things there, right? How quickly you gain it, how long you're doing it and how much you gain. And they all go hand in hand as well too, right? The longer you, the more weight you gain or the quicker you gain weight, the more weight you're going to gain, obviously the longer you gain weight, the more weight you're going to gain as well too. So again, that body weight is probably the big thing there, but those other things will uh, affect how quickly you get to that, to that point. So how do you get over this? So this is just the same as like, if you're kind of at that point where hunger is super high, you're trying to lose body weight, you know, you would say, Hey, really increase your food volume. We want to get foods that really keep you feeling full and they don't have a lot of energy density to them. They're lower energy density, uh, calorie density. So I get over this by eating quicker, right? Because it, eating quicker can be a way to that you can kind of hack your brain from being like, Hey, we're full. We don't want to eat as much. Whereas again, the opposite, when you're trying to lose weight, you'd be like, Hey, really slow down your eating. It takes your brain a little bit of time to realize your stomach is full. So you say slow down on eating, but if you're having trouble getting in the calories you need and you need to get to a certain caloric amount and hunger's running it and you're running into hunger issues where hunger is super low, you can kind of hack that by eating a little bit quicker. So just making sure you eat just at a faster rate, eating more calorie dense foods, right? And again, this goes hand in hand too, where foods that are more calorie dense are easier to overeat because part of the reason is you can eat them much quicker. You don't have to, they don't require as much chewing. So it's easier to overeat these types of foods. So that's again, why on the opposite. And when you're losing weight, we're going to be like, Hey, make sure you 
eat more, you're going to slow down and you're going to eat more foods that are just tougher to overeat. And so again, the opposite is going to happen here when you're trying to kind of hack your, your body's uh, natural response to a calorie surplus. So eat more calorie dense foods. This doesn't have to be like just, you know, potato chips and just crap. I think that's what people hear when they think calorie dense foods, just straight crap. And that is a lot of the times what it is, but Calorie dense foods can also just be, you know, let's say for example, in a fat loss phase, maybe you do almond milk, whereas in when you're trying to gain, maybe you do more like 2% milk, right? So you get a little bit more fat content, um, a little more calories for the amount that you're consuming. Maybe you switch to peanut butter. Maybe you do a little bit more olive oil. Maybe you do avocados. Uh, Maybe you do like a tortilla that's a little bit easier to eat, like tortillas or pasta or something like that. Whereas in a fat loss phase, you would you know, you would do more like potatoes again, very filling rice filling. I, I get mixed signals on rice. Like for me, rice is filling, but for other people, rice is not very filling. So I think it depends on the person, but uh, you know, more fruits and veggies, right. For your carbohydrates. So you would choose more things that are going to be tougher to overeat uh, in that, in that period of time. One other reason I think too, that my hunger is lower at this body weight. It's been better recently, but for a period of time there, it was really just food just didn't sound great. But I think another reason why my weight's been a little bit tougher to bring up this time around in this building phase is I'm just moving more. I am aiming for a step goal. And I really think that makes a big difference because we know that when your steps are under a certain amount, you, your body's not good at it's not as good at regulating appetite as it is when you get more steps. So like they did this study where they had mill workers that were, would move like, you know, they were uh, sedentary, moderate activity, high activity. And basically people that were high activity ate the same amount of calories as the people that had low activity, but obviously those people with the high activity levels were expending more energy, right? So, you know, you're going to see those people that are sedentary, they're going to gain more weight because their energy expenditure is lower. And so, and they also propose that or uh, hypothesize that part of that is obviously just moving more is going to help you um, eat less, but then also just you're going to, there's going to be some, some appetite dysregulation when you don't move as much. And I definitely can attest to that. I, I feel like, because in my past building phases, I just was like, Hey, I just don't want to eat as much. So I'm going to um, not move as much. Right. Uh, because so, so I would move less, but obviously that's not going to be great from just an overall health standpoint. You're probably going to gain a little bit extra body fat. It's not like you're going to gain extra muscle and um, it's not great for like insulin sensitivity and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what, this time around, I'm going to get more steps in and because I do want to maintain a little bit of a leaner physique uh, in this building phase. Again, I'm not trying to like stay shredded. I just wanted to, I didn't want to get as, um, I didn't want to put on as much body fat as I did in my last uh, building phase because I kind of rushed it towards the end. I got to this goal like, hey, I want to get to 180. So I just kind of pushed it to 180 and I probably gained to 180 a little too quickly. And again, that's the that's the challenge with all this too. It's like if you have like a certain, and that's probably why you shouldn't focus on just body weight. But in that example, had I slowly tried to get to 180, not slowly, but had I been a little bit more not really pushing to 180, I think it would have been really tough to get there. Uh, just my, again, my hunger response would have kicked in. I wouldn't have been as hungry body would have uh, expended more energy, et cetera. So, so yeah, so I, I think my steps are definitely playing a big role in that. I've definitely been better about 
not eating as much, just like, oh, hey, I'm in a building phase. I can eat whatever I want. I've definitely been better about that. So that certainly helps. So my my like overall food volume is probably a little bit higher. My food, my diet quality is better. So it's just going to be much tougher to overeat on that. So I think those are probably the two big reasons why I, I'm kind of running into a little bit more hunger issue at like 167, 168 versus last building phase last year. I pushed it up to 180. But again, there's things we can do to, to override that. And the last one, I, I almost forgot the last one that you can, the last thing you can do. You can take mini cuts uh, when hunger gets bad. So this is where with mini cut, the application of it is usually not applied in the right way. People think of mini cuts is like, oh, hey, I'm just going to cut off a little bit of body fat in my building phase. And then they overuse them. They use them for the wrong reasons. You know, really to be one of the main reasons you'd use a mini cut is when you get to this point where hunger's in the gutter, but you do obviously want to keep pushing your building phase because you don't want to just like get to a certain point and then just kind of hang out there. You do want to kind of keep seeing that body weight, you know, slowly creep up because you want to make sure you're in a uh, small surplus, but you can use, you can use many cuts here uh, to help lower your, or increase your hunger levels because you take that period of time where you uh, don't eat a lot of food, right? You, you get that, uh, get in that calorie deficit. Usually it's a little bit more aggressive than you would be in a regular cut because it's a shorter time frame. And then you see hunger come back up and then you can, and you also lose a little bit of body fat. And then you kind of have a little bit more runway there with, uh, your, your building phases. So taking many cuts can also be a way to help kind of overcome that, uh, period of time when it gets really tough to continue to eat. But again, here, the trick with this is you can't take many cuts too often. And you don't want to like take a mini cut when you're still like really lean. If you're like still somebody that struggles to gain weight and you're like, Oh, I just need to take a mini cut. That's probably not going to be that the right situation there. It's mini cuts are really only done in, in certain situations. Um, I, I did an episode with Brandon to cruise on mini cuts. It was pretty good. <clears throat> a lot of great information in, in terms of like when to use it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, episode 176. So go check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about mini cuts. All right. So let's go to the, the last question. Should protein stay the same in a deficit or, or surplus? So I had Meadow Henselman on this topic and he kind of gave his rationale behind it. So let me pull that episode up as well. I might not even be able to find it, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So episode 174. So actually back to back there with Brandon. Well, not back to back, but in terms of guest episodes. So in most cases, it should just stay the same. So in a deficit, I do like to push protein a little bit higher for satiety reasons. Again, this is going to be dependent on the client. Uh, so not in every situation are we going to push protein higher, but in most cases, if I were to just kind of be like, what would be your recommendation? I would say maybe go a little bit higher during your deficits because of the satiety reasons, um, mainly. And also like it does help lower processed food intake because if you, if your protein, if you drop your protein, it's like now you have more chances of getting more like carbohydrates and fats, which are going to typically be a little bit more calorie dense and tastier food options. And so if you can get a good aim for a higher protein intake, like that's going to be good to just, it's going to displace those calories. Cause you have to get, you know, a lot of your calories from protein, which is just going to help with overall diet quality. And you're going to get less overall like processed food, um, calorie dense type food in your, to your diet. So I think a good rule, like 
you don't have to change it, but in a deficit, maybe you go a little bit higher. Now in a surplus, you could go a little bit lower, but just look out for getting too much of your protein through incomplete protein sources. So I wouldn't go lower than like 0.7 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. Let's say one gram per pound of body weight is kind of that gold standard in a deficit. Maybe you go a little bit higher than that in a building phase, maybe you go a little bit lower than that. But like I said, in, in a surplus, the problem you run into is now you're getting more calories overall. So you're getting more carbs and fats. And usually those carbs and fats are going to have a little bit of like trace protein in them. Um, like not complete sources of protein, but it's going to have a little bit of protein. And what I mean by that is like oats are going to have, you know, two, three, four grams of protein there. That's still protein, but it's not going to give you that. It's not a complete protein. So if you get too many of your sources from that type of protein, you're probably going to be missing out on a little bit of muscle growth there. So just make sure that you don't, if you do this, that you still get, you know, the, the same amount of protein from like complete protein sources or as much as you can. Uh, so that would just be the thing to look out for there, but you can go a little bit lower, especially again, if we go back to what we just talked about with the hunger aspect, if you're in a surplus and hunger starting to go down, right? You can lower protein, get a little less protein. Uh, so that way, cause protein we know is pretty satiating. So that can help you get enough calories. Uh, and that can be a kind of a tool that you can use there. But again, both of these come down to what the client can stick with. If, you know, again, in a deficit client need doesn't, can't hit 1.2 and because they can't hit 1.2, they end up going way low and then they go way over in calories. Well, it's like, okay, well, let's try to drop it down maybe to one or 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. And then boom, they can stick to that much better because they get a little bit more enjoyment from their diet overall. Then obviously that would be the option to go for there with that. So it all just really comes down to what the client can stick with. But as a general rule of thumb, I wouldn't go any lower than like 0 0.7, 0 0.8 grams per pound of body weight for anybody. And again, there are very, there would be just very limited amount of cases that I, that I would, but I would really be aiming to get no, no less than 0 0.7 to 0 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. And then from there, you can just kind of adjust it based on what phase of training you're in or phase of nutrition you're in, whether that be fat loss, uh, surplus, and then just see what the, what the client enjoys and can stick with, because again, that's going to be the most important thing there. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully that was helpful. I don't think I sniffle too much, so uh, maybe you can give me some feedback on that. But again, thank you for listening and I will chat with you guys next week. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.